Come on, Brother Russ. Yes, sir. Amen. So good to be in the house of the Lord this morning. Beautiful Sunday morning. And, uh, you know, be here to feel the presence of God and hear what the Lord hath to say for us. So glad to have all of our visitors here today. So glad to meet all of you and glad that you're here in church with us today. Uh, we'll be reading uh, this morning uh, from the same passage of scripture that we read from last night uh, in Ezekiel chapter number 47. Ezekiel chapter number 47. So good to see these young folks here, uh, young men visiting, young, young girls visiting, different ones and ones that they were able to go out and witness to yesterday uh, afternoon. So glad to have you here today. Amen. I've been enjoying this revival. Yes, and uh, tell you, I've been eating really good every morning, afternoon, and night. Been getting, getting fed really well. And I uh, appreciate the offerings and appreciate your kindness and your prayers. And just looking forward to what God has uh, for us today. Amen. Ezekiel chapter number 47. And uh, there's a, just a little phrase I want to pull out of a few scriptures. It's repeated three times. And, uh, and, and I kind of placed a little emphasis on it last night. I just felt last night when I was praying and uh, you know seeking the Lord about the message today that this is the direction the Lord would have us to go. And uh, so let's look um, down there at verse number three. Ezekiel 47 and 3. And it said, and when the man that had the line in his hand went forth eastward, he measured a thousand cubits. And right here it is. And he brought me through. That's right. He brought me through. Oh, yeah. And it says the waters and the waters were to the ankles. Verse number four says, again, he measured a thousand and brought me through the waters. The waters were to the knees. Again, he measured a thousand and brought me through the waters. Amen. And that's what I want to talk to you about this morning on. He brought me through it. He brought me through it. Amen. How many knows that if God brings you to it, he will bring you through it. Amen. Amen. Let's stretch our hands one more time towards heaven and ask God to anoint us and help us here this morning. Father, in the name of your precious son, Jesus, we come before your holy throne here today. Father God, you know who's here today and what weighs upon the heart of every man and woman, boy and girl. Lord Jesus, I pray that you would open our hearts and our minds and our understanding to hear from heaven today, God. That we could just simply be an instrument, Lord God, a, a voice, Lord Jesus, a vessel, Lord God, for you to pour down into and pour out through. Lord God, I pray that you would speak to our hearts and help us in these altars and we'll give you the glory, honor, and praise for it. And the church said, Amen. 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 You may be seated. He brought me through it. If there has ever been a time that we need the Lord to bring us through life circumstances and situations, it is now. Uh, let me tell you that God can bring you to it and God will bring you through it. Amen. We preached uh, the first message here the other night on breaking through when you're broken down. We preached last night on it gets better beyond the bank. And this morning I want to preach to you about he brought me through it. Uh, our pastor here, he said, uh, you know, it'd be better if we could condense uh, our title to a fewer words. And <laughs> so he brought me through it. Amen. We'll be able to remember that. Three times Ezekiel says he brought me through. Three times he says he brought me through. And there's a particular passage of scripture I thought about. Uh, in the Bible, and it says, and it came to pass. I looked that up in the Blue, Le Blue Letter Bible app last night. I just typed in, and it came to pass. I was just curious how many times it was in the Bible. 457 times it's mentioned in the Bible. And it came to pass. Amen. I don't know how you take that, but the way I take that is that Things come in our lives, we face things, we face certain circumstances and situations, but they didn't come to stay. 
They came to pass. We may have to go through some things. We may have to face some things. But they didn't come to stay. They came to pass. And that's what God is going to help us with here this morning. Often we are faced with trials. But they happen for a reason a lot of times. 2 Corinthians 4 and 17. And you'll want to remember this verse of scripture. 2 Corinthians 4 and 17. It says, for our light affliction, which is but for a moment. It's only for a moment. It said worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Hallelujah. Uh, that Greek word there used for that little phrase, but for a moment, occurs nowhere else in the New Testament. It, it means at this very instant, immediately, in other words, for at the present lightness of our affliction, which passes off so fast and leaves the, the word, the two meanings here, the affliction was light and it is momentary. It worketh for us to produce. It will result in, uh, come on now, weaning us from this world, purifying our heart, breaking off from sin. It causes us to want to look to God more uh, for the strength in our trials. It causes us to want to look toward heaven. Hallelujah. As our home. Because this world is not our home. We are only passing through. There's treasures laid up somewhere beyond the blue. Hallelujah. And that's where I want to get to today. Because God has previously promised to reward his people in heaven as a result of you bearing the trials in this life. My God. I don't know how many jewels will be in the crown, but I do know in the passage of Scripture that when we get there, that the saints of God are going to want to cast their crown down at His feet. I tell you, I just want to make it. I want to make it into the gates that are pearly. I want to make it into those streets of gold that are pure. I want to be able to walk down there by the river of life and drink from it and eat from the tree of life with my heavenly Father. There is beauty beholding out there beyond these skies that we've never seen before that one day if we hold out to the end regardless of the trials we go through God is going to give us that blessed hope of heaven's glory hallelujah amen I'm telling you if God brings you to it he can bring you through it one thing that I personally know is that God will bring you through whatever you're facing I remember personally back in 2005 when I was diagnosed with cancer. Uh, you know, we're all afraid of that big C word. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Brings so much fear to us. Uh, you know, I can remember I was um, concerned because I saw some swelling on the side of my head. And, uh, and I talked to my wife about it and, you know, she encouraged me to go to the doctor. And I went to the doctor and... Doctors looked at it and he said, yeah, there's definitely swelling there. Something's going on. So the doctor ordered an x-ray and I went and had an x-ray done. And he said, we need to, you know, do a little deeper, you know, type of scan on your head. And so they winded up doing an MRI on my head. And, uh, and he said, there's, there's something in there, a tumor size, about the size of like a golf ball. I mean, it was invasive on my TMJ area, the uh, you know, there the I can't remember all that you know yeah. words, the big old medical words, but they they wind up calling it the PVNS, pigmented villanodular synovitis in the temporal mandibular joint. There you go. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that's my scholarly words that I memorized. <laughs> oh goodness! So uh, I started off at Phoebe Putney Hospital in Albany, and they did the scans there, and then the VA I, I notified them of that, and, I, and they sent me up to. Um, Atlanta and my pastor Brother Noah took me up there to Atlanta we went to Emory University and uh, we went to the VA hospital they did a biopsy on it and they discovered that it was cancerous and the doctor called me after they got it back and they said you have cancer I was like oh great you know and uh, and uh, and the doctor said that um, that it is malignant and I was like well that's not what I wanted to hear but we were praying and uh, and just trusting God, believing God in the middle of this trial. And, 
And then the doctor called back a few days later and said, it's not malignant, it's benign. And I was like, praise God. You yeah. know, I mean, that's good yeah. news right there. But it's still in there, and I got to get this thing. I, we got to deal with this thing, you know. And um, and so I had an option. Um, I had a doctor, an oncologist, radiation oncologist in Albany said we could radiate it you know, for the first time. It's never been done before. Twice a day for six weeks. He said, but the results are you're going to lose your hair, you're going to lose your hearing, you're going to lose your taste, you're going to lose your teeth on that side. It'll affect your throat. You'll probably be on a feeding tube. Uh, you'll probably lose your eyesight. All of these things I was hearing, man. You know, Katie was writing down everything. The doctor's diagnosis and all these are going to happen to you. And, uh, and so uh, my pastor took us down to Shan's Hospital and uh, met with a tumor board down there. And they said, now, you don't have to have it radiated. He, they said, we, we, our option is we could cut your jaw right here, break your jaw, move it over, go inside and get it out. Or we could cut your head and peel it down like an orange and go in there and get it out. And I was like, neither one of those sound good. I said, I think I'll deal with the, the radiation. Let's try the radiation. Uh, you know, so I was sitting there in the hospital room uh, by myself one Wednesday night. And, um, and my wife and the kids were at church, and uh, I was in there all by myself. And, uh, and this visitor came in the room, an unseen force from hell. Yeah. And I couldn't see him. I didn't even invite him in. But I heard this voice begin to speak in my ear and said, you're going to die. He said, your wife's going to get remarried. Your children's all going to commit sin and go out there. All of these horrible things I did not want to hear. Right. And I was all by myself. And discouragement began to just kind of, you know, fall over sure. me. Yeah. And, uh, and I was laying there, tears rolling down my cheeks. And it wasn't but just for a moment that I heard another voice. Yeah. Another visitor came in that room. Yeah. And he spoke to me. He said, I want you to take your Bible. And I want you to open up the book of John. Yeah. And I opened up to John chapter number 14 where I felt like the Lord told me to go. And I just want to read a couple of verses of scripture to you this morning that the Holy Ghost really stood out to me. In John's gospel chapter number 14, if you want to follow along with me, you can. If you want to just listen and, and trust me in the reading, that you can do that also, whatever you want to. But this is what helped me. And this is what is going to help you because my message today is on he will bring you through it. He brought me through it. And I'm a living testimony to hear to tell you about it this morning. When I laid there in that hospital bed and the devil on one side of me telling me I'm going to die. Now, mind you, this was back now in early part of 2006. So you add up the math of where we are today in 2023. It's what the devil said, you're going to die. But God said, I want you to read in your Bible in John 14. Listen to verse number one, the first part. He said, let not your heart be troubled. Right there, he began to speak a peace into my heart. Uh, let's skip on down to verse number 16. Now, I read this whole chapter as I laid there on the bed. But this is where I read last night and I highlighted it in my Bible. And I feel like the Lord wanted me to read it to you. He said, and I will pray the Father and he shall give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it seeth him not neither knoweth him but ye know him for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you he said I will not leave you comfortless he said I will come uh, to you in Verse number 27, he said, peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth, give I unto you. He said, let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. And a moment in an hour, when I was all by myself in that hospital room, and the devil said, you're going to die, my heart was troubled, my mind was 
was disrupted, but the Holy Ghost of heaven slipped into that room. My God, on the other side of the bed, he said, I'm going to talk to you through my word and tell you I'm not going to leave you comfortless. I'm going to send another comforter. You may be by yourself, but I'm about to put the Holy Ghost in you that's going to give you comfort through this trial. I'm going to bring you through it. He said, I'll bring you to it and I will bring you through it. My God, I didn't have any peace in my heart at the moment. But when I read that word of God, he said, peace, I'll leave with you. It's like, hey, I'm giving you this peace. I'm leaving it with you. I'm leaving it with you. Hey, I'm leaving it with you. He left something with me in that hospital room like in 2006. Had up the mouth. Today it's still with me. I still got the peace of God inside of me. I still got the comforter inside of me. The Holy Ghost, it was real in that hospital room. And he's still real today. I want to tell you when your heart is troubled in this wicked world that we're living in. I want to tell you about one who can calm the storm inside of your heart. He said, let not your heart be troubled. My God, he knows right where you're living at today. He knows right what you're facing today. And I'm a living testimony to tell you that he can bring the peace that you have been seeking for in your heart. God can bring all that rest and relaxation. For he said in his word, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. He said, and I will give you rest. That's what some of us need is rest. When our heart is troubled and our mind is overwhelmed and our body is afflicted and we don't know which way to turn. We don't know what to do. We know a master who knows all things, who sees all things, who hears all things, who is able to comfort us in all the afflictions, in all the trials we face. God is able to bring us through it. You may not be able to see through the dark clouds of uncertainty and discouragement, but we serve a God that can see through the storm, who can walk on the storm, and who can speak peace, be still to the storm. My God, when the disciples were so uh, in fear that night on that ship, when it was being tossed to and fro, the waves were overtaking the ship, the wind was blowing hard, the storm was raging high, and they were fearful. But where was Jesus? He was asleep at the bottom of the boat. He he was asleep on a pillow and the fear overtook them and they ran to the master. They said, care us not that we're going to perish. But he stood up and he spoke peace. Be still. And the storm ceased immediately. Hallelujah. Jesus knew about the storm. Jesus knows about the storm in your life. He knows what you're facing right now. He knows the trial you're going through right now. Jesus knows exactly where you are. You said, I don't feel like he does. Hey, no matter what we feel like, but it's a fact. He knows where you are. He knows what you're dealing with. And I love what Isaiah said in 43, chapter 43, verses 1 through 2 says, But now thus saith the Lord that created thee, O Jacob, and he that formed thee, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed thee. I have called thee by thy name. Thou art mine. He said, When thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee. Notice he said, When thou passest through the waters. He didn't say that you're going to stay there in the waters but you're going to go through it. He's going to be with you through it. All the way through it. He said not just the waters but he said through the rivers they shall not overflow thee. When thou walkest through the fire thou shalt not be burned neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. He didn't say we weren't going to go through trials in life. He did not say that we're not going to go through the waters, through the rivers. He didn't say we weren't going to go through the fire. But he says when you go through it, I'm going to be with you in it. Hallelujah. We may have to go through some storms. We may have to feel the effects of those storms. 
our nerves and every fiber in our body may be wrecked, but if we hold on to the rock, we're going to make it all the way through the storm. It's like that man that was shipwrecked. And uh, there was a big rock out there in the water and he reached out and grabbed a hold of it. And he just held on for dear life in the middle of that storm. And he survived. And afterward he was interviewed and the interviewer asked him, how did you feel? Uh, weren't you shaking in fear that you was going to die? He said, yes, I was. He said, I was shaking in fear. See, they said, how did you survive it? He said, because the rock I was holding on to, it didn't budge. It didn't shake at all. And I'm telling you, we're holding on to the rock of ages. Ah, that was cleft for me. Let me hide myself. My God, we can hide ourselves in the rock. They take me to the rock. He said, upon this rock, I will build my church. Jesus is the rock of ages. And I want to tell you, I don't know what you're holding on to today. I don't know what your mind is clinging to today. I don't know about the storms you're facing, but I know about the rock of ages. He said, if you will come unto me and hold on to me, I'm going to help you all the way through the storm. Hallelujah. We must hold on until the end. Think about it on our jobs. Those of us that are working and those of you that have worked. There are certain things that we have to face from time to time, especially from the leadership, whether they're family, whether they're friends, whether they're people we're very well acquainted with. There's sometimes we have to face decisions on our job. And I was reminded about the three Hebrew boys that had to face a decision because there was people on their job that did not like them. They were very jealous of them. And so they got the king, Nebuchadnezzar, to build up this idol and uh, erect it and have everybody in the nation bow down before it. And they wanted to point out to the king. They first had him write a decree and said, King, if anybody doesn't bow down to this idol, you know, you got to throw them in the fire. He agreed to it, put a stamp of approval on it. And old Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, <laughs> when the sound of the trumpet, cornet, all them different instruments, you know, when they got to hear them all, uh, you know, everybody came out and bowed down to this idol. Not Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They said, no, we're not going to bow. Oh, king, we're not going to bow. And the king got word of it, and they really made a big to-do about it. They heated up the fire seven times hotter. You know the story. Uh, but when he threw them in there, he threw them boys in the fire. The Bible said that the guards, because the fire was so hot, it burnt up the guards and killed them. And so uh, old King Nebuchadnezzar got to looking in that fire. And he, he said, wait a minute, guys. He said, didn't we throw three in there? He said, but I see four in there. There's a fourth man in there that looks like the son of God. Come on now. He called for them boys to come out there. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, you still alive? Who's that fourth man in there with you? Hey, they had to go through the fire. But the Bible said that their clothes were not cinched. Not one hair of their head was cinched. They didn't even smell like the smoke when they come out of it. But there was one by the son of God that was in the fire with them. He said, though you go through the fire, he said, I'm going to be with you. He was with Daniel. He was with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And he's going to be with you. If you stick with God, he's going to stick with you. He said, I will go with you all the way, even unto the end. He doesn't stop halfway, but our God goes all the way, even through the fiery trials of your life. Could you praise our God right here? here today oh. if you know anything about the game of chess you know it all comes down to when the king on the either side can move no more once the king is trapped the winning side declares checkmate and the game is over now I know we ain't had an opportunity to play a game of chess yet uh, but there's a painting called checkmate over in the Louvre, or however you say that word, why I can tell you over there in France. And, uh, and, and in this particular painting there in Paris, um, it, it was sold in 1999. It's not there anymore. Private collection has it. But the painting depicts two chess players in that picture. One, Satan is sitting on one side of the table playing against a young man. 
And if you could see the picture, you could Google search it and you could find, just type in checkmate, chessboard, whatever. You'll be able to find it. There you see the devil in this sinister look looking over at the young man. And, uh, and you could see the worry and fear and fret over the face of the young man because he is fearful that he is going to lose. And that's, that's the title of the, the, the painting, Checkmate. It means that, that's it, you're done, you're finished. Well, according to the legend, or it could be a fact, I don't know, this chess grandmaster named Bobby Fisher came upon this intriguing painting over there in this museum in France. And as he was looking at that painting, he began to role play these little pieces and just think about how it was. Somebody said that he called for a chessboard and he was maneuvering the little pieces out there. And he wanted to just see and so as he sat there for hours on end looking at this, studying this painting, studying every move, he began to say, it's a lie. It's a lie. He said, young man in that painting, if you can hear me, I'm telling you it's a lie. He said, because you've got one more move, and that move's going to be in favor where you're going to put that devil in checkmate. So right now you may feel like you're in checkmate. You may feel like all hope is gone, and you're at the end of the matter, and you're going to drown, you're going to die, you're going to be out, and it's over with, and the devil's breathing down your neck, and you may feel like giving up and quitting, but I want to tell you today that God said you got one more move. You ain't in checkmate but you've got one more move you can come to the altar and God is able to help give you the power to overcome every dark hour every trial and tribulation every pirate child my God is able to give you the strength to overcome my God in the name of Jesus he is able to help you I'm reminded in John chapter number 8 and verse number 7 a young lady was brought to Jesus by some men that were angry in that town. And they said, Lord, this woman's committed adultery. Well, the law says she needs to be stoned. But what say ye? This woman was in a checkmate position. The town was ready to kill her because of the acts of sin that she committed. But the Bible teaches us that Jesus stooped down. And began to write in the sand. And I don't know what he wrote. But when he stood up. He looked across that crowd. And he said. Ye that are without sin. Cast the first stone. And the Bible says. Beginning with the eldest. The oldest ones. The most experienced. The most well versed. Beginning with them. They all begin to walk away. They all begin to leave. And in a moment. When this woman that was about to be stoned to death was about to be murdered by the townsman that was accused of her of adultery, Jesus went back down to the ground and began to write again. And he said, woman, where is your accusers? And she said, Lord, I don't see anybody. I don't see anybody around. He said, neither do I condemn thee. He said, go and sin no more. That's the peace. That's the purity. That's the price Jesus paid for you. That redemptive price on the cross of Calvary. He came to this world because he loved you. He died upon the cross because he loved you. And he calls on you today. He said you may come to me with your sin. But I'm a forgiver of your sin. I'll wash away your sin. I'll cleanse you from the all oh, your sin and iniquity. My God, I want to tell you today. You may be in a checkmate position, but you can come to a Christ who can give forgiveness of all of your sin's debts. Hallelujah. My God. I'm going to try to bring this to a close here as somebody gets ready to play for us. I'm reminded of a missionary by the name of Samuel Morrison. I don't know if you've ever heard of him or not. Samuel Morrison was a missionary that gave his whole life overseas to work in Africa. And after 25 years in Africa as a missionary, he was coming back to the United States of America to die. He had finished his work and he felt like coming home so he could die. Well, it so happened to be that he was on the very same ship coming back into the New York Harbor that President Teddy Roosevelt was on. 
Now, Teddy Roosevelt was on a three-week expedition in Africa hunting. He was over there to get as many trophies as he could. So when that ship pulled up into that New York harbor, uh, the docks was opened up. Uh, but it was all jammed up with all of New York City. It looked like the entire population of New York was out there. There were bands playing. There were banners waving. There was choirs of children out there singing. Multicolored balloons were floating in the air. Flash bulbs were all popping. Uh, the newsreel cameras were out there ready to record the return of President Roosevelt. And as he stepped off down the gangplank, you could hear the thunders and the cheers and the applause of the people showered with confetti and ticker tape. And if the crowd had not been restrained by the ropes and the police, he would have been mobbed. And after all of that ceased and all of that quit, here comes Samuel Morrison, that missionary off the ship, quietly walking off of the boat. No one was there to greet him. He slipped alone through the crowd because the crush of the people there to welcome the president, he couldn't even find a cab. And the story said that in his heart, he began to complain and he said, Lord, he said, the president has been in Africa for three weeks killing animals and the whole world turns out to welcome him home. He said, I've given you 25 years of my life in Africa serving you and no one has greeted me or even knows I'm here. But in the quietness of his heart, a gentle, loving voice whispered to him and said, Samuel, my dear child, you are not home yet. Right. You're not home yet, church. My God, sometimes the devil likes to paint the picture that others are being praised and things are going well for others and they be, seem to be lifted up and all is well in their churches, their homes, their businesses, their jobs, their families. It looks like the picture's painted. Everything's good and glamorous over there. But in my life and in my experience, everything's doom and gloom at times. Darkness and uncertainties. And we're facing things, but we're trying to do our best. We're trying to drudge through it. We're trying to press through it. But then I am reminded that this world is not my home and my my reward is not in this world but my reward is in the world to come that one day Jesus is going to look at me and say well done thou good and faithful servant you've been faithful over a little things but now I'm going to give you many things enter into the kingdom enter into the blessed hope enter into the peace and comfort the world will never receive it but the child of God will receive what God has in store for him so I'm saying and hold on a little longer press on a little more he will bring you to it but he will also bring you through it Hudson Taylor the founder of the China Inland Mission said begin to play had a plaque in his home with two Hebrew words on Hudson Taylor's plaque the first one was Ebenezer which means hitherto hath the Lord helped us and the second was Jehovah Jireh, which means God is our provider or the Lord will see us to it and through it. Those two words is what Hudson Taylor hung on to all of those years as a missionary there in China. Ebenezer and Jehovah Jireh. I want to tell you tonight, there is a helping place, a hitherto that you can have in God where he will help you right through your troubles. A place where God can provide. For it was on that Mount Moriah where Abraham took his son Isaac, his only begotten son, his firstborn to his wife Sarah. And it was there. Now he had Ishmael. That's another story, another, another time, another place. But upon that mountain, his firstborn son Isaac took him up there as a young man. Uh, come here, young man. This one right here. Yeah, come here. Come up here and help me for just a moment. Come up here. Abraham took his son. Give me your hand, son. He took him up the mountain. Come on, walk on up the mountain with me. And so Isaac and his daddy Abraham began to walk up this mountain. And, uh, and his boy looked at his daddy. You got to look at me now. He said, he said, Daddy, I see the wood and I see the fire, but where's the sacrifice? Can you say that? Where's the sacrifice? Where's the sacrifice? And his daddy looked at him and he said, Son... God will provide himself a sacrifice. And as they walked on, 
Abraham, knowing that this is my only boy right here, would you lay down right here? This is going to be the altar. Just lay down right here on your back. As he laid down there, he laid his son down. He took his son and he binded his son's hands right here. And as Abraham took his only begotten son, he took that knife and raised it up in the air. And when he began to come down, God saw that Abraham had sold out completely to him. And he stopped his hand. And they heard a sound over in the thicket. And this boy said, Daddy, what's that sound? He said, Son, look over there in the thicket. Look up. Sit up, son. Look over there in the thicket. There's a ram over in that thicket right there. Come on, let's go get that ram. Come on, son. Come on, let's go get that ram. Just go right over there and stand my brother Robert right there. And him and his boy went over there and got. God provided a sacrifice. But he was waiting to see the seriousness of Abraham's heart. And sometimes we're waiting on God. But sometimes God is waiting on us to see are we true to our word? Are we true to believe him? Are we true to trust him? He had to walk through the greatest trial of his life. A testing time that God put him to that test. God allowed him to go through it for a reason. But he brought him through it. He provided a sacrifice for him. You may say, I don't understand why I'm going through what I'm going through. Abraham didn't either. But he trusted God in it. And you need to trust God in your storm, in your trial. You need to trust God because he will bring you through it. Hallelujah. Would you stand all over this house? So I had to go through cancer three times. That first time I told you about, God brought me through it. And, uh, and as I was going through radiation twice a day for six solid weeks, I would go in the morning, I'd get radiation. And I'm talking about a heavy dose of radiation. They would strap my face down on that uh, little table this little mesh type of plastic deal they made so my head couldn't move and they shot this beam of radiation through one side of my head and it come out through the other i lost my hair on that side all the way through i lost my hearing on that side i lost all my taste while i was going through this radiation but my wife had this little mason mason jar kind of like what we was drinking the ice water and tea out of at your house that's why i like that i said yesterday i like those mason jars there's a reason so she would carry that mason jar to church with us. And inside there she had all of the diagnoses of the doctor written down. Loss of hair, a little strip of paper, uh, loss of sight, loss of teeth, loss of taste, loss of all these different things. She had it wrote down in that mason jar. And on the outside she had a, a little picture with some angels on there. Talking about the angels. You know, can, I, mean, I can't remember exactly. Angels don't worry, they believe. And she kept on believing God. She would pray. We went to camp meetings. She would carry that jar with her. This was back in 06. And in the middle of that six weeks of radiation, in the middle of it now, mind you, I then lost my hair, my hearing, and my taste. And I was getting radiation in the morning. I'd go work all day and teach. I was bald-headed. And then I'd go get radiation after work, every day. And... Uh, and in the middle of that, on a Sunday morning, God spoke through our pastor and called me out. And I come down that middle aisle and the Lord came by and touched me. And in the middle of my radiation, my hair began to grow back. My hearing came back completely and my taste came back completely in the middle of while getting radiation. Now, that's a miracle. You say, well, why didn't he give you the miracle of removing it? I don't know, and I'm not even questioning it. But I know that he gave me a miracle in the middle of it. Amen. Come on now. So later on, we learned in 2012, six years later, we learned that sometimes radiation causes cancer. So it spun off a cancer in my thyroid. And we were in the Dominican Republic. And I was uh, doing missionary work there with my pastor and a few other pastors. And I was brushing my teeth in the mirror. And I swallowed. And I saw this lump come up in my throat. And I grabbed the lump. And I said, oh, no, you know. And my pastor said, don't worry. God's in control. And, uh, you know, so we got a biopsy done. Found there's cancer in there. I had thyroidectomy. They removed the thyroid. And, and, uh, and we, we were doing good. Rocked on for a little while. And. And then there was a residual cancer that popped up again in that same area where they did radiation in 2015. And, uh, and this one, the, that same first visitor came to me in that hospital and said, you're going to die. He came back, the devil. 
And he said, three strikes and you're out. Amen. And I was like, oh, no, God, I know you brought me through these other cancers. And I believe you're going to bring me through it again. And in a service, my pastor called me out again. This is years later. And he said, he prophesied over me saying, God said, I've got another move. Where the devil said, you're in checkmate, three strikes, you're out. God said, I've got another move. Amen. And so we went through a little surgery. And uh, after that, we got a good report from our doctor scan that no cancer. We got another report the next year, no cancer. Another report, no cancer. Year after year after those MRIs, cancer-free, cancer-free, cancer-free. Three strikes you're out, the devil said. But God said, I've got another move. If God brings you to it, He will bring you through it. And I don't care what it is you face in your life. I'm a living testimony to tell you today that God is able to bring you through the storms of life. He said, when you passes through the water, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overtake thee. He said, and through the fire, I'll be with you all the way. God's going to be with this church. And I'm telling you, it's going to be worth it to stick with God all the way through. The devil may want to try to take you out in your old age but God said stay with me hold on to me draw closer to me step on out into the water and I'll bring you through all of life's troubles and trials as they get ready to sing these altars are open and I want to ask you today do you want God to help you do you want God to strengthen you I know that you do because he wouldn't have given me this message if it weren't so but I want to ask first before you come is there any person in this church that is not saved that you know you're not saved that you know if you died right now that you wouldn't make it to heaven but that you would go to hell you know if there's sin in your heart and no sins want to enter into the kingdom of God because in your heart there's two places in the heart of man there's a throne and there's a cross And Andrew Murray said, if you're on the cross, then that puts Christ on the throne. He said, but if you're on the throne, that puts Christ on the cross. So in your heart, who is on the throne of your heart? Is it you or is it Christ? But if you put yourself on that cross that's behind me this morning, I'm telling you, Christ would be on that throne. So if you're set, if you're not saved, if you're lost here today, these altars are open for you to come and pray for salvation. For the Bible says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. There's everlasting life in heaven for the saved. But if you're not saved, you're not going to make it to heaven. And Jesus is about to come back and get His church. He's about to take His church home. And if you're not saved, you're not going to make it. But here, in this moment, you could come into a place and kneel down at the front of this altar and ask the Lord to save your soul. Would you bow your heads all over this house and close your eyes? In the name of Jesus, Father, we come before your holy throne this morning. We ask, Heavenly Father, that you search our hearts. Lord God, look into the depths of our souls. And Lord, if there be one that's not saved, that's not given their life to you, that's living in sin, would you please draw them to an altar of repentance and help them to get saved this morning. We ask this in the name of Jesus. Keep your heads bowed and your hearts uh, open to what I'm saying right here for just a moment. Keep your eyes closed for just a moment. And let me talk to those that are not saved. If you're not saved and you were to die right now, and you know that you wouldn't go to heaven, would you just slip your hand up and you say, I'm uncertain. I'm uncertain. There's a few hands right here. There's a few hands. I'm going to ask you, would you all step out and come to this altar? We'd like to pray with you. Come on, just kneel down right there at the front of this altar. Just come on over here. Kneel down right at the front of this altar. Sister Katie, come over here. Oh, we're going to pray. We're going to pray. Brother, Brother Jamie, there's a couple of boys. Brother Butler, a couple of boys right over here. You're lost and you need to get saved. I want you to come up to this altar and pray that God would save you. For the rest of the church, we're going to pray for these right here. But you may be going through something in your life.
You may be going through something in your home. You may be facing uncertainties, trials, tribulations in your life. And you don't know what to do. Or you just need help going through it. I want to tell you today that God is able to bring you through it. And if you would but come to this altar today, you can find the strength and help that you need. If you would sincerely pray from your heart, God, please help me through this trial. I'm telling you, God will help you through it. And maybe that's you, sir. Maybe that's you, ma'am. And you just need the touch of God to help you and strengthen you this morning. I'm going to ask you, would you please step out from where you are and come down to this altar find a place on one of these pews and pray and say Lord I need the strength of the Lord today help me to go through what I'm facing today would you step out from where you are come on down to this altar no one's going to make fun of you no one's going to look down upon you we're just going to encourage you we're going to encourage you to pray and help you to go right on through it why don't you step out from where you are All right, everyone that would, everyone that would like to pray, just come on up here. Come on up here and let's pray together. Hallelujah. It's not too late for you to pray, ma'am. It's not too late here in this altar. Let God help you. She begins to sing. Lord, we love you and praise you here this morning. Oh, come on to this altar and find the help that you need. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you.
easy to forget in times like this. Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. And he cares about everything you're going through. Your It's easy to forget in times like this. Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. And he cares about everything you're going through. Your going through. 